Good morning, church. How are you? Are you alive this morning? I know you are. That worship was incredible, was it not? Oh, my goodness. Some of you are like, oh, no, it's the preacher now. Can we go back to the singing? That was so good. There was a lyric. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm flipping through my Bible. I'm just so uh, into to worship. There's a, a lyric this morning that kind of got me just so pumped because it said, um, worship team, you're going to have to help me. It was about no, no body in the grave. There is a grave that holds no body. Because that, that, that power lives in me. There is a grave that holds no body, right? And that, that got me so excited because I was just, I was letting that play out in my head, the resurrection. You know, there were, there were two people, two men at the tomb that, um, you know, when the disciples came running up and there were, there were two, two witnesses to the resurrection and they, of course, saw that the grave was empty and they went and said, hey, there's no body, there's no body. And I thought, um, there's coming a day, there's coming a, another resurrection where there will be two witnesses and the world will say, where has the body gone? The body, you and I. And I, I am just sensing in my, in my spirit that God is just wanting to prepare us to encounter deeper levels of him, to encounter divine, to encounter divine encounters with him. And I, I'm just super excited to see what he's wanting to do. Uh, I love looking out in the audience and seeing all of you guys here this morning. You're expecting God to do something big in your life? How many of you would be okay, you would think that the tithe was worth it if you left here and your marriage was completely restored? How many of you would think the time on the road, waking up and getting ready was worth it if you left here and the relationship with your kids was completely restored? I believe that's what the Lord wants to do this morning. I have been in a series called Family Feels. We've been talking about family. And last week I talked about the broken family. And today uh, I want to take it a step further and tell you how to get from a broken family to a blessed family. How to get from an immature family to a mature family. Now I'm going to ask that you take a second and go ahead, if you haven't already, and share the Facebook Live, or if you're watching YouTube, well, you shouldn't be watching YouTube because you're here. Um, but if you would go ahead and just share the stream right now on your own platforms, that is a great way to evangelize. And I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner because it would have been great for your friends to have witnessed what just happened in this place. The glory of God that was felt doesn't just stay here. It goes through that camera. The anointing goes through that camera and into the homes of people watching. So if you've not shared it, please share it now. And then next Sunday, you just know at 1030, go ahead and share it, whether you're on campus or not, because that's a great way to let your reach go further. Amen. So today I want to show you from one of the most famous Bible stories, the four stages that we go through when we go from broken to blessed or immature to mature. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. God, I just sense that there are surprises in the room, that there are just gifts you're waiting for us to open. And I may not know what that all looks like, and we may not know 
how that transpires in our own life, but God, I just sense that we showed up to a party today and didn't know it. God, that you have planned a surprise party for your sons and your daughters. We say thank you and we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I want to, as I said, talk about the four stages and I'm going to move quick today. So hopefully you can take notes and follow along in your Bible. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. If you're familiar with that, you may have heard that growing up. You may have heard it preached a bazillion times, and that's fine. I will tell you just right off the bat that this is one of those stories uh, that, that are for us, not to us kind of thing. In other words, Jesus, in this parable, he's really speaking to Israel and the Jewish nation and the application there. However, as believers, as sons and daughters, we get to apply this story to our daily life. And that's what I'm doing in this sermon today. I'm not preaching on Israel and the Jews and what, what it originally, the intent was originally. I'm instead gonna look at the first broken uh, scenario, not the first, Adam and Eve was the first, but another broken scenario and pull out some steps that you and I can grow from. So Luke 15, verse 11 through 12. Then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. Now in your Bible, underline, give me. All four of my points today are made up of two words. The second word is me. So the first point today is give me. Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. Give me. All broken families, all broken people start in this stage of gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Give me. This is where we always start. Babies start here. Marriages start here. Right? Babies say, give me, give me, give me mine, mine. I sometimes when my kids were growing up, I was so sick of hearing the word mine. Yes, some parents in the room. By the way, to parents in the room or parents watching online, our hope is to begin e-kids in the next week or two. Come on, let's get excited about that. I would love to launch e-kids next week, by the way, uh, to the families in the room. I just, that's a breath of fresh air. In fact, um, many of the families in the room are volunteering to make it happen. They're like, hey, you take my kid three times a month, I'll serve back there once. That's a good, after a year of being in church with their kids, they're like, I think I'll take that deal. So, <laughs> so we're, we're very grateful for that. We're very grateful for volunteers that are able to step back in and, and it's going to look a little bit different. But I will say that we're still in need of about four adult volunteers. We, we would love more, but we need to pull the trigger on this and, and start eKids next week. We need four adult volunteers that will just commit to one time a month. One time a month. Um, and then the other three times of the month, you can serve elsewhere or you can just sit in here and just receive all that the Lord has for you. If, if that's you, I'm not going to make anyone stand up right now. I don't have time to apply that kind of peer pressure. Um, <laughs> but if that's you, please, please contact me ASAP. Uh, you can email me 
uh, this is good news, so my email is trey at theexchangechurch.org. Uh, when it's bad, my email changes to Cheryl at the Exchange Church. But please feel free to email me if you'd like to help. Uh, but kids, say, give me, right? Some of you are saying, I've got a 22-year-old that still says, give me, right? So some of you say, I've got a 48-year-old that says, give me, and I'm married to him, right? We all start there in the give me stage. We all also start here spiritually. When we are born again into the family of God, we start in the give me stage. We are spiritual babies. And God doesn't resent that we're in the give me stage. Okay, so this is not a negative stage. It's not a bad stage. I'm not trying to put any spiritual babies down today. We don't get mad at babies when they cry for a bottle. God doesn't get mad at us when we're spiritual babies and we're still in our broken state somewhat and dealing with flesh and we're like, give me, give me. God's not disappointed. He's not surprised. He's not angry. But he also doesn't want us to stay in the give me stage forever. Right? I mean, at some point, like, it would be unsettling if we're at a restaurant and we see Kim and Tim Kimmel there and, and pretend that Tim was just immature. And we see Kim over there with the mac and cheese saying, open wide. Here comes the mac and cheese. You know, like that's, that's not okay at Tim's age. He's like 60, 60. He looks like a 20 year old. That's ridiculous. He's got muscles bigger than my whole body, but still. To see him acting like a child is not okay. It's like, okay, Tim, it's time, time to grow up, big boy. You're a big boy now. You're 60 now. Come on, let's feed yourself. But we all start in the give me stage. You know, marriage starts in the give me stage as well. Some of you might be in your marriage in the give me stage. And by the way, these aren't sequential. It's not like once you get out of the give me stage, you can never go back to it. At any given point, when there is failure to grow, you can find yourself back in the give me stage. And and so for marriages, what that looks like, you know, the husband wants his wife to meet his needs. The wife wants the husband to meet her needs. And the reality is there are some needs that only God can meet. And we can create an entire chaotic, destructive system in our home when we're expecting our husband to meet a need that only God can. I mean, your husband's great, but that void inside of you, that God-sized void, was actually there so that you would need God to fill it, not your husband. And, and to the husbands, let me just say, your, your woman is awesome, right? But there is a need inside of you that she can't feel. Fill. No matter how awesome she tells you that you are, no how much, no how many, no matter how many words of affirmation she gives, right? Like you're the, the king of this castle. We have this thing in my home. I love it, where my wife, when she cooks, which is often, when she cooks, she gives me the biggest steak. Well, that's obvious. Uh, she, you know, we've got all of these kids, and growing up, she would tell them, "No, dad gets." the first pick. I'm going to get dad's first. And I just look at my kids and I say, who am I? 
and I taught them, I taught them to reply, you're the king of the castle now and forever. And so even now as they're older and married, I'll say, who am I? You're the king of the castle, dad, now and forever. No matter how awesome my wife makes me feel, there is still a matter of significance that only God can fill. And so we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in the give me stage. Here's another example of the give me spirit in Matthew 26, 14 through 15. It says, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot, dun, 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 went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Do you see what the give me stage causes? It causes you to go further in sin than you ever intended to go. The results that you were hoping to get and achieve through the give me stage never ends up being the thing that you really wanted. Never, never. I I heard a saying a long time ago, you can make a blessing if you want to, but if you make a blessing, you're gonna miss a blessing. And the blessing that you miss is gonna be greater than the blessing that you make. We have to be careful with the give me stage. You know, I'm a, I was talking to someone out in the hall today. I am a 2D grandpa. What I mean by that is I have a grandchild and, you know, greater than a year now, I've, I have never touched this little human. I'm 2D to her. We FaceTime all the time. Carrie's had the opportunity to hold her and sing to her and give her kisses and pinch her cheeks and all of that. I've never seen my grandchild. Um, so I... I'm only a 2D grandpa, which is awesome. I, it, I'll take it. I'm not, I'm not complaining, but I'll, I'll FaceTime her and I've gotten, I've gotten to where now when she sees me, she just smiles and I think it's the gray hair. She's not used to seeing the gray hair because her other grandpa has dark hair. Whatever, I'm not bitter. But she'll, she'll get this big grin and she'll smile and she's like, oh, there's the man on the flat screen who loves me. And she just looks at me for a moment, only a moment. And then her head turns to cartoons because she loves cartoons. I don't know why my son Micah allows cartoons to be on when I'm FaceTiming my granddaughter, but she, she loves cartoons. So I end up watching my granddaughter watch cartoons. Basically, we do what she wants to do. She's in the give me stage. Now, I'm I'm a 2D grandpa, but I am a 3D uncle. And I've I've watched my nieces and nephews. And um, I have one set of nieces and nephews, Samantha and Titus. Watched them a couple weeks ago. Um, Here's what never happens, though, when I watch Samantha and Titus. Never once did they say, Uncle Trey, what do you want to do? Yeah, I want to watch Frozen for the 3,000th time. That's exactly what I want to do. You know, that's the first stage, the give me. And and kids go from the mind stage to the I do it. I can do it. I do it. Me, I do it. And that's the next stage, the use me stage. We see that in Scripture. There is a use me stage, by the way, that is pure and mature, um, but that's not what I'm referring to here. We'll get to that in a moment. I'll call it something else. This use me is not a good use me. This use me is a use me so that I can feel important, so that I can feel seen. Remember we talked uh, in, in a previous message about fame, 
how the broken family is always looking for fame. They're looking for that significance, the attention. They're trying to make a place for themselves. The use me stage is exactly that, where we're trying to do something to make ourselves a priority. Here in the use me stage, we're getting pulled back down by the habits of brokenness. Now in the give me stage, we could say that that's because of selfishness. But in the use me stage, that's because of selfish ambition. Philippians 2 verse 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. You know, of all the times, I looked this up, you could verify it. Of all the times in scripture that the word ambition is used, 99% of the time it is paired with the word selfish. The Bible is clearly trying to communicate that almost all forms of ambition are not godly. Now, I did find two examples of ambition that is godly. Do you want to know what those are? The two examples of godly ambition is in Romans 15, 20, that says to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. Evangelism. Ambition in evangelism is the time when God will bless ambition. Any ambition outside of the story of Christ is typically selfish. I know, I didn't like it either. The second example of ambition that God blesses is found in 1 Timothy 4.11. The other ambition is not your career, it is not providing money, it is not cleaning the house, doing dishes, shoveling snow. I can now use that in our language as a Texan. Yeah, we shovel snow. First Timothy 4.11 says, ambition is all right if your ambition is to lead a quiet life minding your own business. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Pastor, what about drive? I mean, surely there's a difference between ambition and drive. You're trying to tell me the Bible says ambition is bad. What about drive? I'm, I'm a driven person. I'm a go-getter. I, you know, I, I like things spinning, multiple plates spinning at once. What about drive? And I would say, great, but why? What's the motive? What's the motivation? You know, there was a magician in scripture. His name was Simon. And he sees Paul and John laying on of hands and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And, and look what he does in Acts chapter 8, verses 18 through 19. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So this magician, in other words, to distill it down, he's saying, Give me something so that I can do something to feel significant. That's the use me I'm talking about. I have to perform so that God receives me. I have to perform so that I'm acceptable at church. I have to perform so that I feel good about myself. You know, in a marriage, we start out with the give me stage, like we talked about a moment ago. Um, and then we transition into the, the use me stage. When we find that our needs are not being met, when we find that our husband is not meeting our needs, when we find that our wife is not meeting our needs, rather than give me your attention, give me love, give me respect, we, we then transition into a use me or let's do something 
we begin to find our own way of happiness. And, and that may look like a lot of things. It may look like longer hours at the job. It, it may look like longer hours in the garden. It may look like longer hikes in the wilderness. It may look like more money at the shopping store. Are you with me? Because your needs weren't getting met, you then throw yourself into doing this, this use me stage. It's sadly a very immature stage, but, but you're growing. It's okay. We're, we're getting you there. We're getting you to the blessed stage. But be careful that you don't throw away the thing God has ordained in your life for the happiness that you're trying to establish by your own hand. In the prodigal son's life, this is when he left home to do something. Luke 15, 13 says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Since we're talking about marriage, I might as well go here and just let you all know, let everyone know that God did not establish marriage to make you happy. God did not establish marriage to make you happy. Some of you are saying, well, it's working. He established marriage to kill you. And you're like, well, that's working too. He knows the only way that you will ever be happy is if you die to self. When he created Adam and Eve in the garden, he saw that it was good. But he knew that Adam would never be happy until God created the opposite sex. So Adam had someone to live with, right, that would help him die to himself. I love that the Bible says opposite sex because oftentimes whenever we get married, we think we're just alike until we live together a few years and we realize just how opposite we are. And we learn how to navigate those waters. So God gave Adam Eve so that he could die, so that it could kill him. And he figured that she would need to die too. So if, the living, if living with the man didn't kill her, he'd give them both kids. <laughs> From give me to use me to the third step in growing and maturity is search me. Search me. In the story of the prodigal son, verse 17 the young son came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. He's, he's living with nothing and he comes to his senses. I would translate that to say he began to search himself. He began to assess the situation, the scenario, where he was, what he could potentially have. He began to search himself. Psalm 119, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. This is when we stop focusing on what is, what is wrong with everyone else, and we focus on what is wrong with us. This is when we really know how to start eating steak at the table, is when we're not showing up to a sermon every week and saying, so-and-so really needs to hear that, when the preacher talks about families and marriage or parenting or kids and obedience and, and we think, way to go, pastor, fix him. Way to go, pastor, fix her. I really hope that they're listening to this message today. 
if that's your first go-to response, you're an immature believer. And I want to challenge you to the next level of growth because there is no sermon that you will ever hear that is about anyone else but you. And God can do so much inside of us if we will stop putting other people in the sermon instead of ourselves. The maturation process is that you move away from the give me, the use me, and you focus your attention on the search me. I am responsible for my actions and my actions only. And when I focus on everyone else, I I miss too much, Lawrence. You know, we went diamond mining in Arkansas a couple of weeks ago. And we're digging through dirt and tons of dirt, getting dirt. And then you have to sift it through water. And then you take the siftings or the, the gravel and you lay it out on a table. And I'm looking and Carrie's looking and it's cold and we have a little like Blue's Clues magnifying glass and we're, we're looking for diamonds. And he, I was embarrassed to tell my wife this, but I, I said, Carrie, and I whispered to her because I didn't want anyone to hear. And I said, I don't, I don't actually know what a diamond looks like. And she said, me either. Because we only knew what it looked like when it had been cut and placed on a ring. We didn't know what the diamond looked like in the rough. So we had to have somebody explain to us what a diamond looks like. You can Google it and figure it out. I won't waste the time. But when all the gravel is wet, you can't, you can't see the diamonds. So what they told us to do, take those buckets home. You were allowed to take a five-gallon bucket per person home per day. We ended up walking away with two, two five-gallon buckets of gravel that we've still yet to go through. They said, go ahead and you know, rinse it all off, lay it flat on a table, let it dry out. Turn the lights off all around you, get a very strong flashlight, and, and the rocks will get this film, powdery film on it. But the gems and the diamonds, when you shine the light, when it hits them, they will sparkle. You see, you can't find the diamond when you're looking at the dirt. It's as if I'm walking around and God has this little uh, telescope ring right over me. And he's just looking at me. And, And I've tried. I've tried to say, but God, I know I didn't respond right. But did you hear what they said to me? Did you hear what they did to me? And he says, no, because I'm looking at you. I try to justify my actions with the external circumstances and the way people treat me and the way society talks or what they say about Christians or what they say about churches or what they say about white boys, whatever it is. I try to use other things, but God says, none of that matters because I'm looking at you. And in fact, if that same circle was around Jesus, which it was, every word that came out of his mouth, every response, every reaction was pleasing to the Father. Even when they were crucifying him on the cross and he was bleeding out, he was, he was beaten, his flesh was shred. The only thing that God could see was Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Search me, God. Let me go from broken to blessed. The fourth 
point, my final point is make me. We go from give me to use me to search me to make me. Luke 15 verses 18 through 19 in our story back with the prodigal son. The son says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Maybe he's saying, I know that I'm your son, but make me your servant because I've never had a servant's heart. Maybe he's saying, do with me what you will. When I talk about the prodigal son, you may be tempted to say, well, that's not me. I'm not the crazy young guy that left home and got into sin, read headlong into fornication and read headlong into drugs and alcohol, whatever the scenario may be. You're like, I've always been the good kid in the scenario that you're not talking about me, pastor. Well, did you know that the story talks about two sons? And the oldest son wrestled with the same attitudes as the younger son. Remember how the younger son left home, squandered everything, came back home, and, and the older son was upset. Let's see what he said in Luke 15, 29. He said to his father, all these years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. The older brother who had it all stuck in the give me cycle. But the father's response is the redemption of our sermon today. Chapter 15, verse 31, the father said, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. The answer, the only answer to the maturing process, to being pulled out of the give me stage is God trying to tell us Son, you're always with me. It's not what I can give you. It's that you can be with me. And when you are with me, everything is yours. So Father, today we turn from the give me stage. God, we understand that you've already given it all. There is nothing left for you to give to us. God, we, we have conditioned ourselves. We have convinced ourselves that we have to chase that next big win. But God, we surrender. We surrender to a place of contentment. And God, we move beyond the use me stage. Yes, we want to be useful, but not for our own glory, for yours. We don't want to be in competition with our spouse. We don't want to be distant from our spouse. We don't want to go create happiness aside from the relational intimacy with our spouse. God, help us come together as one. Search us, Lord. God, search my heart today the areas that I have called clean yet were dirty, search me, God. The areas that I think are inconsequential, insignificant in the grand scheme of things, 
Search me, God. The things that I have tucked away, claiming that I had forgiven, things that I had gotten over, people that I had released, bitterness that I claimed to be done with, yet somehow it lurks in the darkest recesses of my soul. God, I ask that you would search me today and make me into your image, into your image. In Jesus' name I pray. If there's anyone today watching online or in the room and you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I just want you to repeat after me. And church, those of you that know Jesus, you're already a believer, even in your homes, just repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I receive you today. I thank you, God, for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. I believe that he's coming again to take his bride. From this moment forward, my life will never be the same. I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just said yes to Jesus today, please text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. We love you guys so much. If you're on Team Exchange, please remember, in about 10 minutes, we're going to hang out for a very important family chat. I hope that you'll stay with us. We love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday, 1030, here or online at theexchangechurch.org. God bless you.